Welcome to the Gay Buddhist Forum, where teachers from all schools of Buddhism offer their perspectives on the Dharma and its application in modern times, especially for LGBTQI audiences. These talks are offered freely to the world and made possible by appreciative listeners. If you would like to support our efforts to share the Dharma with underserved audiences, please visit gaybuddhist.org. There you can donate, find a list of upcoming speakers, or enjoy many hundreds of these recorded talks dating back to 2002. He teaches mindfulness in elementary class schools in San Francisco and Oakland with the Mindful Schools program. In addition, he volunteers teaching meditation and yoga in the San Francisco jail. He recently began volunteering up at Spirit Rock Meditation Center, teaching in their family program and classes for middle school students. He's currently in the Community Dharma Leaders Program, a two-year Spirit Rock program to help develop community dominators. And with that, I give you Baruch. <laughs> the, um, one of the comments that a lot of speakers make about coming to the Sangha is what a beautiful sangha that we have, and how receptive and warm the sangha is. And it, <clears throat> I hear this a lot because I've been on the planning committee involved with scheduling speakers. And after speakers come, they often will send emails <laughs> thanking us for the opportunity to speak here. So it's just it is we really do have a very beautiful sangha and. 
Um, being up here, you can really feel like the heart of the Sangha. It's a little different when you're just sitting up there. So, um, so I feel very honored to be here. Is this loud enough? Can everybody hear? And I also would like to thank a lot of people for coming to support me. <laughs> so I really appreciate your being here. Um, this talk is about, it's a, my introduction was my update to what I've been doing from when I did a Dharma duel two years ago. So I don't need to say anything about that. Um, but this talk is about my personal experience with my work in relationship to practice. And um, I work as a hospice nurse. I've been doing that for about 11 years. And one of the reasons why I was very drawn to doing hospice work is um, witnessing a lot of death, deaths of people that I knew, and feeling that if I did that type of work that I would be able to approach my own death more fearlessly. And so I did the work for many years without really, and I, working really closely with people in the last, you know, with advanced disease, and making some progress towards my goal of feeling more comfortable, but just feeling very, still very uneasy with my own death. And a couple years ago, I, re I was reading um, a quote in a book, a Buddhist book, and it was saying, awareness of breath can become a stabilizing factor at the time of death, ensuring that even one's last breath will be mindful. And <clears throat> it was reading that, that really kind of opened up my experience doing hospice work. And that was when I really started doing a lot of, um, I think that was really a transition for when I really started doing mindfulness of breathing in a completely different way and doing practices of contemplation of the body. So, um, it's interesting, one of the things, <laughs> one of the things when, when I am teaching in elementary school with elementary school kids is we, we start off with a, um, a lesson on mindfulness of sound. And one of the instructions is listen to sounds inside the room, outside the room, or inside your body. And sitting up here, a lot of times I can't hear sounds inside my body, but sitting up here I could just hear the sounds inside my body so loud. I could really feel my heart going. <laughs> so part of um, contemplation of body that, they, that the Buddha talked about was, um, he said regular recollection of death. He didn't say this, but people say that regular recollection of death can lead to the realization that death is fearful only to the extent that we identify with our body. And as we do this type of work, through intensive practice, we come to realize the true nature of our body, that we aren't our body, that we're just in our body for the time that we're here. And if we can get to the point where we are less attached to our body, that we'll be freed from any fear at the time of our death. And so that really inspired me to 
take this type of practice into my hospice work. Um, and so this talk comes out of um, a discourse that the Buddha gave called the uh, Satipatthana, and it's his discourse on how to do mindfulness instruction. It's like they say it's his original instruction on how to do practice, which I find to be, when I read it, I found to be quite amazing because it, nothing was written down for many, like two, I don't know if it was two or three or five hundred years after he died. And so I know there were people whose job it was just to remember verbatim everything that he said, but to have this instruction in a kind of a purity that actually works, kind of, it sort of blew my mind. So the very, he, the Satipatthana is, is, um, is mindfulness of the body, of the mind, feelings, and the Dhamma. And we had a speaker here a couple weeks ago, Anne, and she gave like a very quick summary of what that was. <laughs> so if you were here, then you, <laughs> you might remember that. But I wanted to focus on just the very first instruction on the body, the very first foundation, the very first instruction, which, which is the breath. And those are the most complex um, instructions because the Buddha talks about how to do mindfulness of breathing. He talks about the postures that we sit in. He talks about, he gives instruction on bodily activities. He goes into the anatomical parts, how we could do meditation on our internal parts and our external parts, the four qualities of the body, and then the corpse and decay. So um, I started doing practice when I was in my early 20s. I was doing transcendental meditation, and it, I was using a mantra instead of the breath. And it wasn't until around 2000 when I first went to hear Eugene Cash at the Unitarian Church that I was introduced to um, mindfulness of breathing. But I really didn't get any instruction in that. I would go, and I just continued using the mantra. And it was a, probably within a year or two after that that I found my way to the, to the GBF. And so I continued coming, and I continued doing mantra meditation, experimenting with breathing, meditation, but really feeling like I didn't really understand what it was or how to do it. And it wasn't until I went on my first retreat that I actually got a very complete instruction about doing breathing meditation. Um, and I found it to be very flat, kind of boring. <laughs> I didn't really get it. I would try it, and then I would kind of flip back to the, mon to the, the mantra or the old style that I was doing. And so I was doing this sort of combination of TM and breathing meditation, and I'm uh, flipping back and forth. And eventually, I decided that I needed to come clean, and so I um, made an appointment with a teacher and talked to him. Actually, the teacher, it was a junior teacher, it was Will Kabat-Zinn, and he was in the teacher training up at Spirit, Spirit Rock, and I talked with him, and I said I was doing these two types of practices, and he... And sometimes I would do them in the same meditation, and he basically was very kind and just said, well, just do one or the other at a time. <laughs> and so, um, so it was a gradual transition for me, and then I went probably later 
Maybe the next year I went on a concentration retreat. And when they talk about breath meditation, they talk about two types of meditation. Breath using insight and breath using concentration. And in the basic instruction that we usually get when you come to a sangha, if you get instruction, is to pay attention to your breath, but also pay attention to anything else that happens, to be mindful of that. But another way to do breath practice is just to what they call samadhi practice or concentration practice is where you only pay attention to your breath. Anytime your attention goes off of your breath, you bring it back to your breath. And it's a way of kind of concentrating your practice and becoming um, very still and very quiet. And it was during that retreat where the focus was only on the breath that I really started having a different type of experience of the breath. And I, the breath opened up to me, and I, instead of being really flat, I started experiencing it with more depth and more character. And um, I became a lot more interested in the breath. And it was during that experience that I also started paying more attention to the hospice patients that I was working with, because... Um, usually one to two weeks before someone dies, you start seeing um, changes in resp respiration or breathing patterns. And <clears throat> I was going to read this because I thought it was very interesting. This is a book that we give to uh, families. It says, respirations may increase from a normal 16 to 20 or sometimes up to 40 or 50 breaths a minute or they can decrease to nine, even six. <clears throat> there can be puffing, blowing of lips, actual stopping of arithmetic breathing only to resume. And then, especially right before someone dies, they, the breathing be, can be, really becomes much slower or more irregular. And hospice is a very beautiful program, but it has a very Western model. You have a, a a symptom, we treat it with medication, we give a drug. And we don't do much investigation with people on the condition or state that they want to be in at the time of their death. So I started thinking about how could I use practice with people and with that were at the end of their life and with families. And so I, I came up with some exercises that I do with families. Now, and um, I, w I wanted to share those exercises with you all. <laughs> so, um, by actually having you do the exercises. And I know um, I've been coming to the Sangha long enough to know that it's when you come here, it's usually a passive experience. You usually come and you listen. And so, anytime someone asks, the people to do anything different, a lot of reactivity or a lot of feelings could come up. And so what I'm going to do is when I describe these very short, simple exercises that I want you to try, I want you to be very mindful of any of your response. Like, do you, do you, do you want to do it? Do you not want to do it? Is it pleasant? Is it unpleasant? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Is a lot of aversion coming up? Um, and just be really mindful of that. So, um, what I wanted to do really quickly is, um, 
in, in the Satipatthana, the Buddha starts off, he starts off, the very first thing he says is, it's kind of awesome, he says, the very, the very first thing he says is, kind of like, listen to me, listen up, because I'm going to tell you how to purify yourself, how to realize nirvana, how to achieve bliss in your life. That's a paraphrase. <laughs> and then the, ne- the next thing he said, so all the monks are sitting around and they're just listening, and they're like, mm, they're very interested because that's what they've devoted their life to. And the next, the very next instruction that's written down that, that the Buddha is supposed to have said is how to sit and, how, and where to do the practice. And so he goes, gone to the forest or to the root of a tree or to an empty hut, he sits down. And so this is kind of like an empty hut in here. I came here, um, I got here early and I was sitting in here by myself. I was just doing sitting. It is so quiet in here. We're so lucky to have this space. Uh, there's no sound. I mean, when, when this is full of people, there's lots of sound. There's people opening the doors. and There's lots of things that can be irritating <laughs> to you. People breathing, people coughing, people talking. But when you're here by yourself, it's just... It's quiet, and it's like, what, is, what does it sound like when there's no sound? So this is really an empty head. And he says, having folded his legs crosswise, set his body erect, and established mindfulness in front of him, mindful he breathes in and mindful he breathes out. So that's basically how he says to do the practice. And then he gives a very brief instruction about how to be mindful of the breath. He goes, breathing in long, he knows I breathe in long. Breathing out long, he knows I breathe out long. Breathing in short, he knows I breathe in short. Breathing out short, he knows I breathe out short. That's kind of the first first part of the instruction. goes on for a little bit, and then there's a refrain, and in the refrain he says how to do, he gives more specific instructions, and this is what the exercise is going to focus on. And this is, after reading this, this is what I started experimenting with hospice patients. So basically, the very first thing he says is how to do the practices. He says, in this way, in regard to the body, he abides contemplating the body internally. So you contemplate the body internally. Then, or he says, or you contemplate the body externally, or you do both at the same time. You contemplate both internal and external. So I was trying to imagine, well, what would that be like to actually do that kind of practice? It's one thing to read it, but to actually do it. So um, I started experimenting with hospice patients, and I started um, working with family in certain situations when families were open to it. I would ask them if they'd be open to doing a different kind of practice to work with their symptoms, because a lot of people, shortness of breath comes up a lot, pain, anxiety, all sorts of things that are amenable to things other than drugs. And um, I started noticing that it was pretty effective in working with people a lot of times. Sometimes it wasn't, but sometimes it was. <coughs> and so, this is, so these are the two exercises that I want you to try. So remember to be very mindful. Um, th- these exercises are done with a partner. So... I would just recommend, you know, this isn't like speed dating or anything, just <laughs> turn to the person that's next to you, um, and I'll give you the instruction. 
and I am going to have a, um, I'm going to have Trip come up, and I'll, I'll show you how it's done. The exercises are done. The first exercise is done completely quietly. Okay. And so it's taking the Buddha's instruction of um, abiding your body internally or paying attention to internal phenomena, anything that happens in your body, but specifically the breathing, and then also paying attention to what's happening outside of your body or to what's happening with someone else. So this is what I want you to do. I want you, so there'll be, there's a passive partner and an active partner, or I'll just leave it at that. Or a bottom and a top. And, um, the way that you start is, it's very short, it's going to be like three minutes, and then you'll switch. And then what you do is, sitting very still, just like the instruction that the Buddha gave, sitting very still, very quiet, erect, erect with you know whatever position you're comfortable in. Both partners, passive and active, close your eyes, take some mindful breaths for maybe like 20 seconds, just to tune yourself into your breathing then this exercise can involve touch. So the active partner is sensing into and seeing the passive partner, but specifically your passive partner's breathing. So it's a kind of a synchronization process where you're synchronizing your breathing with your partners. You're tuning your breathing with your partners. So basically, after you get in touch with your own breath, if your partner is okay with this, very slowly, you can You can take your hand. This is the part that I want you to be very mindful of, how, what your reaction is. And gently, very gently, put your hand lightly on your partner's chest so that you can actually sense and pay attention to, to his breathing. If you don't feel comfortable, you could also do this just use it without doing it. So you have to get your partner's permission. And then what I want you to do is, instead of paying attention to your breathing, the active partner, start paying attention to your passive partner's breathing. And once you have, you've sensed into his breathing, then you're going to synchronize your breathing with his breathing. So you're going to pay attention to the rate and the rhythm specifically, so you'll be breathing together. And see if you could settle into that. And if you could settle into that, then you could start paying attention to the character and the quality of the breath, too. Is it a long breath? Is it a short breath? Whatever you could notice. And so we'll just do that for like three minutes. We'll switch. And then there'll be a short time to debrief. And then I think there's time for a second exercise, which is almost the same, but a little bit different. And I'll explain that. And I'll use this. Uh, the bell to let you know when it's time to switch. Okay, so are you ready? 
This exercise is done completely quietly. <laughs> so have you finished your communication? No. No, okay. Why don't you take like 30 seconds? Say whatever. Be very mindful of you know how what your response is to this. I know like when I've done this before, I had a very strong response to having to touch someone else. <laughs> it could be quite provocative. It doesn't have to be. Maybe it's something that you'd like. Okay, so take 30 seconds. When I ring the bell, then start the exercise. I'll time it for three minutes, and then we'll switch. Okay, ready? Everybody's ready. So just take a moment just to notice how you feel. And then switch. If you're passive, then become active. Okay, ready?
So just notice just what that was like for you, and then take a couple of minutes to just debrief, and you could share what you noticed, what it was like for you, anything that came up. And maybe for like three minutes, and then we'll go on to the next exercise. <laughs> experience of one person paying attention to their internal phenomena, the other person paying attention to the external phenomena. This next exercise is essentially the same, but it's a little bit different. So, same, yeah. So, um, so same partner, same process, active-passive. Um, Moving very slowly. This time, the passive partner does exactly the same thing. Just pays attention, mindfulness of breathing. So anytime your mind wanders, just coming back to your breath. Say, active partner does exactly the same thing. Tunes into your own breath, but is synchronizes. And then you begin a process of very quietly, out loud, paying attention and describing in a quiet voice to your partner what it is that you're observing. So it would be like, I feel your chest rising. Um, or you could start off by saying, I'm aware now that your chest is rising. I can feel energy. 
I can feel the breath, the exhalation, just whatever it is that you feel. Do that for like 30 seconds, and then try and do it where the last part of the instruction is where you're paying attention to internal and external, paying attention to your partner, but also tune into your own experience. Wow, this is really uncomfortable for me. I'm paying attention to your breath. My breath is, I'm having a hard time synchronizing. And just see if you can expand <laughs> your awareness so that you're able to, this is the instruction of the Buddha. <laughs> this is what he's at, asking us how to do practice. He wants us to pay And if you think about it, um, we tend to do that anyway, but especially I, I've talked to a couple friends who are therapists, and therapists and people in other occupations Part of their job is tuning in to, we pay attention to the, you know, body posture, what people look like, people's breathing, but you can, you know, you could really tune into someone. So this is a way of actualizing that practice. So are there any questions about that? You could do it with your eyes open, your eyes closed. So if you're speaking while you're trying to do the breath, you can only really speak on the out breath. Right. right. Okay. You Right. So, and you want to sync, keep your breathing synchronized while you're being mindful of that process and describing it out loud. And if you want to use the catchphrase, now I'm aware of, and then say what you're aware of. So, yes, Clint? What are you supposed to do for 30 seconds? Well, the first part is just tuning in, you know, just kind of tuning into your own breathing. And then when you have mindfulness of your own breath, then I think it's time to reach over gently, slowly, start tuning in, and then as soon as you feel comfortable, just in a very quiet voice, describing to your partner what it is that you're mindful of in terms of their breathing, and then also what you're mindful of, of what your internal experience is. And we do this all the time. I. Um, just a really quick example is when I'm teaching, when I've been teaching this tween class, which is to 11, 12, 13, 14 year olds, I often have the experience of moments of despair when I'm talking to them. And it looks like they have no clue what I'm talking about. And I just feel like, oh, shit, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're totally lost. But I have to, so I'm mindful of that while I continue. So I'm being mindful of my own. State. I'll, sometimes I'll tune into my breathing, and then the next moment, they seem to have caught on to what I'm talking about, and so then I'll have a moment of exhilaration. It's like, <laughs> yay, you know, they get what I'm talking about. So just, it really is a good experience of impermanence of your feelings, too. It's like they change so quickly, they arise, they pass. So. Okay, ready? Yes? <laughs> Person, continue 
eyes closed, eyes open, active person. When you feel like you're tuned into yourself, reach over, synchronize a tune, the tune, and then start out loud letting your partner know or describing your experience. Now just take a moment to notice, and then switch. And you can start, and we'll do that for a couple minutes.
So just take a moment to, if you want to debrief or say anything, what that was like for you, anything that came up, and then we'll... trying this to experiment. <laughs> um, I just wanted to describe one time recently, a time that I used this in practice, and then I want to, we have a couple minutes, and if anybody has any comments about this or anything they wanted to say. Um, but I guess, let's see, today's Sunday. On Friday, I went to visit a hospice patient, <clears throat> a woman, and she was experiencing a lot of anxiety, um, and the anxiety was really triggered with shortness of breath, very articulate woman and her husband was very anxious and we were talking about the usual stuff and at a certain point I just thought well might as well try this so I 
kind of had her husband do an experiment like that. And we talked about what triggers it. And what was triggering it was when she got out of, out of bed. So we had her get out of bed, but we just really tune into what the Buddha actually refers to it as bare knowledge. Just when she started noticing the most beginning, beginning, beginning symptom. And I had her husband, who's very anxious, kind of put his hand on her chest and just describe what he was feeling and synchronize his breathing. It was very, very sweet. They, the anxiety that they had been like dealing with was really getting in the way of their relationship. And it just reminded me about how sometimes when we're having a lot of pain and suffering in our bodies, our relationship with our body really, can, you know, we, ha- we can have a lot of aversion to that. We could start becoming very far away from what's going on in our body. And by doing a simple exercise like this, tuning in. Um, and actually, I talked with them later. Let's see, maybe this was on Monday. I can't remember, but it turns out that that was actually the last time that she got out of bed. She decided after that that it was too stressful for her to get out of bed and that she felt more comfortable. And I think it had something to do with that exercise, but they were very thankful. So um, anyway, with that, I'd just like to open it up and see if anybody has any comments or questions or... Well, I really felt like my breathing got a lot slower than it normally did, even during the 30-minute meditation. Because I was really forced to focus on the breath, whereas I I often use a mantra, but then you know it's like I wasn't allowing my mind to wander off because I knew I was being watched. It really made a difference. Just to say thank you so much. It was such a simple exercise, but so intimate. And I could, and I know how useful this is when you're dealing with people that are ill. But also, what an important tool to use when you're relating to somebody where you're both very alive and positive. So, so, so simple but powerful. I found I was <clears throat> uh, more able to stay present and centered and not have my mind wander when I was focusing on someone else's breath. Then when I meditate, try and focus on my own, in which case I'll follow all sorts of rabbit trails. So I mean, I know it's only a couple minutes, but um, it seemed to be more centering to focus on something outside myself, someone else's breath, than to focus on my own. I just when I was. In the state of towns, and when I was mind was wandering, I remembered that this is an experience that is also done in body electric weekend. Oh, really? <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, which I haven't done for a long, I don't know, a long time now, maybe 80 years or, or whatever. Uh, yeah, and, it, and it, it just brings up that same sense of intimacy, of uh, special closeness, which is beyond words. Only my eyes closed behind. Yeah. Uh, Kiss or keep it just, just touching. Very nice. That night, now or that? Uh, also, uh, I have experimented with it, what what's called an awe experience. Are you familiar with that? Where every per- person's own particular 
and the connection that it's brought. I, when I was the supposed passive one or something, I was uh, pretty active in trying to uh, give him a, a good uh, rhythm for my breath. So that kept me uh, engaged in the exercise. So, um, <clears throat> thank you for trying this experiment. I, I was always struck with um, a lot of teachers will talk about during Dharma talks how the Buddha himself engaged in mindfulness of breathing at the time of his enlightenment when he was being assaulted by Mara. He was doing mindful breathing. And so he was doing contemplation of the body. And... Um, it's just, uh, so sometimes I think it's such a basic instruction, it's really easy not to pay that much attention to it. So I appreciate your uh, trying that experiment. So thank you very much. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Baruch. That's great. Um, do we have any announcements? I, I had a project that Judy has been doing for a long time. It's, um, there's a, a youth homeless center called the Larkin Street Center, and once a month we do a dinner for them. And we try to give them like comfort food. They, they, you know, they're, they're fed okay by the center, but because of budget, so on, meals are very simple. And so we try to do something a little more elaborate and, and um, fun to eat and hold, you know, party. Uh, anyway, uh, if anybody's interested in participating in that, please see me afterwards. I'm trying to keep up the volunteer list. So uh, I'll be outside during the social period. I, I think if you talk to people who do it, you, uh, they'll tell you it's a very rewarding experience. It's, it's a lot of fun, and it's also, you feel like you're doing something. The kids are great. A lot of great energy from them. So I'll be outside. <laughs> what Sunday's days are? It's, it's, the third, it's the third Saturday of the month. Yeah. 
Next Sunday, our speaker is Dave Rico, who is a therapist and author um, in Santa Barbara, San Francisco. He's been here a number of times. And um, <coughs> he's going to be talking about befriending our shadow side. And he tends not to like that recorded. Um, so if you want to hear it, do you? Do you have a host today? I am the host. So please stay for the half hour of socializing after. There's tea and uh, freshly baked scones. Mm -hmm. And if you have tea, please wash your cup. Um, I, if you are new and you'd like to get on our mailing list, you can sign up out on the uh, by the wall here um, in the area <coughs> outside in the lobby. And I will be coming around with a donable. We ask we have a suggested contribution of five to eight dollars um, to support the sangha. And then people go to lunch at about 12.30, if you'd like to do that. Please just hang out by the door. Baruch, we leave us out with a dedication there. By the power and truth of this practice, may all beings have happiness and the causes of happiness. May all beings be free from sorrow and the causes of sorrow. May all never be separated from the sacred happiness which is without sorrow. And may all live in equanimity without too much attachment or too much aversion. And live believing in the equality of all that lives. Thank you for listening to the Gay Buddhist Forum. If you would like to hear several new talks per month and be notified of upcoming speakers so you can participate live, please subscribe to this podcast, like us on Facebook, and join our mailing list by visiting gaybuddhist.org.